welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Lewis. Really excited to have you back again this week because every week we bring you guests to help you to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. And today I am really excited because we've got four people on. I think this is the largest group of individuals that I've talked to all at once. And it's three daughters and a dad. So always fun. So today we're going to be talking to the Shriver family. We're going to be talking to Wallace, Marin, Soleil, and Jean. And we're going to be talking about some brand new music that they have out, but also talk to Jean about being a father and uh, talk to his daughters about Jean as a father. So the Shriver family, it's so great to have you here today. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you for having us. Yeah, happy to be here as well. Now, I always start these interviews turning the clock back in time. So, Gene, you're going to have to think back here. So, turn that clock all the way back. I know Wallace is 16, so you got to go back probably 17 years. And think back to that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. What was going through your head? I think like any parent with their first child, your your biggest hope uh, for any child is please let it be healthy, right? And we did find out that we were having a daughter. So, you know, we knew uh, Wallace's gender before she, before she was born. And that certainly made it easier to sort of plan for her nursery. But yeah, I mean, that's a time of life where I was in the thick of the hard part of my career and trying to, and I, I traveled a decent amount and trying to figure out how I was going to manage that schedule vis-a-vis my wife, Amanda. And as much as you can hear about it from your parents and others, what parenthood is like, you never know until you're in it. And it's a grind. And, and, and you know, it's it's amazing that we're sort of on the other side of, like, Soleil's 10 now. It's, it's, it's hard for me to fathom that our youngest is 10 years old. We had no more babies. But um, it's the most fulfilling thing in my life. Now, I know that sometimes, especially, I, I have two daughters myself, so I put that out there, and I and people have heard me say that many times, but I know going into this and being a father for the first time, you go in with the unknowns. You know, you don't know what you don't know, and people tell you things, but you have to, a lot of times, learn it yourself, and there's fears that go along with that. What would you say was your biggest fear? in be, not only becoming a father, but becoming a father to a daughter. I think, you know, every parent's biggest fear is, are, am I the most capable person of raising this person to become what the, you know, the, the, their maximum potential, what they need to be in life? And, you know, what baggage do I bring with me from my own childhood that I want to not repeat? What can I do to be better at that? How do I not fall into any, any loops that, you know, that I learned as a child and what can I do to improve? I think, you know, being scared that I would make some of the same mistakes I think every parent makes, my own parents included, was probably the thing that scared me the most. Because some of this, you talk about nature versus nurture and how a kid's going to grow up. I mean, they, they come out of the womb who they are. Their personalities at birth are the same personalities they have now. Uh, and just trying to, to match up you know, your skill set and trying to you know, promote whoever they are. That's not, it's not like cookie cutters, like we're... Every one of them looks the same. And if you just parent each one of them the same way, everything will, the results will all be the same. But that's definitely not true. And so figuring out, you know, how to adapt for each one of their personalities and the individuals that they were is something that I continue to work on every day. 
So girls, he says he's working on it every day. Tell me about what your dad has done or is doing to be able to to best connect with you individually. Because like he said, each one of you are very different individuals and he has to connect with you in different ways to be able to reach you and reach your hearts. So what are some of the ways in which you are able to share experiences together that are important to you as individuals? Um, One thing that I've always really admired about my dad is he's so good at everything that he tries, which I'm envious of because there are certain things that I will try for the first time. And I'm like, how did you manage to be so good at everything? And I can really tell that he tries in everything that he does. And because of that, he's been so helpful in everything that I've wanted to try growing up. For example, he coached all of our soccer teams while he also had a job and and I'd never played soccer growing up. No, but he was an excellent coach. And when we got into theater, he became our dadager. <laughs> with music, he, you know, he plays instruments and he can sing with us and he can teach us everything that he knows and it's really special because I feel like most of the skills that I've learned in my life, I've learned from him even when he hasn't known the skill himself, but he just is so willing to try everything with us and help us learn new things as we grow. And I don't know, he's done a very great job of being very involved regardless of how busy he was in his life. And I really admire that. I like how like he like sets aside time for each of us to do something that we enjoy together. Like he might set aside time to do music with Soleil or Wallace because they really want to. And maybe he'll do a sport with me. It's just the bonding time like that he sets aside for each of us. And trips. Yeah, and yeah. trips. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? So I did musical theater when I was a little bit younger. And before I had a big show, like before it even started, he took me on a trip to California. And it was just me and him and... We had just a week of a great time. We went a lot of places, and it was just a really great experience. Yeah, we went to, like, you know, we're fans of Sophie Tucker, uh, who's a a musical duo, and uh, Marin and I went to the Sophie Tucker concert in Los Angeles together, and we wormed our way up to the front row, and uh, Marin was definitely the youngest person at the concert, but it was just the kids have performed on big stages with adults and you know for adults in the past and so it was like no big deal for her but i think everyone else was like what's that kid doing at, at, the, at this concert i mean but so yes we i mean it, it's important to to me that we have set aside time to do father-daughter trips where we have several days just one-on-one with each other you can share things and get to know each other in a way that's hard to do that in the context of a really busy family life yeah i think you do a really excellent job of doing that too i mean Thinking about all of the great experiences that we've had together, I'm just very thankful that you've made an effort to provide each of us, not only all together as a family and individually, how you put in that time and effort to give us those experiences. So thank you. Thank you, Wallace. (laughs) What about you, Soleil? He's really, really, really smart. So (laughs) he helps me with my schoolwork a lot. (laughs) And he's also really, really funny, which I like a lot about him. 
<laughs> I like that a lot about you too, Soleil. I think yes. you're pretty funny. You are funny. <laughs> well, you talk about experiences and memories that you're sharing together, and it's always important to be able to do that. What are some of your favorite memories? And it, you just mentioned one, but what are some of the other favorite memories that you've been able to share together, either as a family or individually with your dad? Um, for me in particular, I tell this story a lot, but when I first found my love for music, in particular harmony, we were on a road trip. We were heading to a lake. Lake Placid. Lake Placid, yeah. Which is like a six-hour drive from where we are in Philadelphia. Yeah. We were just in a car ride together. I'm pretty sure it was just me and you, Dad, right? Yeah, because we took two cars. So I had you and mm -hmm. Mom had. Yep. So it was just Dad and I in the car, and we were listening to Superman. And by REM, by REM, R. M. yes, and essentially the entire car ride just taught me how to sing the main harmony in the chorus. And then for hours, we just repeated that harmony until I got it. And that was the first time that I'd ever sang harmony with someone. And it was so much fun. And it was like this life changing experience for me because now it's one of my most favorite things in the world is getting to sing harmony, especially with my family, of course. But that is one of my, I can still remember sitting in the car and singing with him the whole time. And that, that's one of my most favorite memories. I mean, I have so many great memories, but that one tends to stand out. What about you, Marin? I performed at the Walnut Street Theater in Shrek and Matilda. And so I was in the city a lot with my dad or my mom. But like, usually we would have to get food because we were there like every night almost. And so it was really fun going to different restaurants with my dad and trying new foods and new places and getting to walk around and talk to him on our way to these places and just seeing cool stuff and trying new things and just being able to like be with him and just get to experience like some nice things with him. I'm glad you brought that up because that was such a fun time and she would be, you know, done for dinner break and she had a two show day, for example. We'd always like we weren't going to a deli and picking up a sandwich and going back to the theater. We were trying to find cool spots that we could experience new things and try new foods together. And that was a super fun time. I, I love I love doing that with you. Sounds like it. What about you, Soleil? Um, when I was younger, he also was my coach for my soccer team. And so we, we got to spend a lot of time together because after soccer, we always got pretzels and we got like ice cream or something. So in that time, we got to spend like a lot of time together. And it was super fun. <laughs> and we won three championships. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's turn this a little bit toward music now, because Wallace, you were talking about your love of music and all of you have a love of music. But tell me about really, where does that love come from? And where did you first find your love of music? And I'd love for all of you to share that. Well, I think a really special part of growing up in this house is that my dad has a lot of very musical friends. So throughout my entire time growing up, I would get to meet all these really cool, talented people who my parents were friends with. And we would just have jam sessions in my living room and people would just pick up guitars and start playing whatever they know. We would sing karaoke. You know, we would have these cool local shows and, you know, just fun things to go to. And I think that's where my love of music really started. And also, I mean, 
I'm going to speak for you here, dad, but growing up, I think my dad wrote a lot of music and it was a big part of his life. So, you know, having him have that love of music and for him to be such a large role model for me, it made me love music even more. And the fact that that's something that we could share together as a family, you know, it was just really special. And I think it's cool now that we get to write and record together, you know, now that we're all getting older and figuring out our own lives, I, I'm thankful that we get to do it all together and that everyone is so talented. I mean, I'm so blessed. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. And before everyone else can kind of give their responses to when they sort of first fell in love with music, it's like the fact that, you know, I was a singer at some point for, in a band for a long time, and I was probably the singer only because no one else was willing to do it. <laughs> and it's just amazing how that the DNA has evolved. I mean, the, all three of these girls are exquisite singers, exquisite, like top professional level talent singers in their own right. And where that came from naturally, it's just kind of mind blowing to watch. And I feel like at some level, when I watch them sing together, I'm reminded of that. This is, this might be my purpose in life. Like, Oh, that's why God put me here to father these three to their maximum potential because they're it's it's extraordinary to get one you know family member that can, can that can sing well, but to have three and have them be able to blend so beautifully together is a, an extraordinary thing to watch. So I'll give my first sort of when I fell in love with music story, and you guys can think about your answer while I'm doing that. <laughs> I love music as a child. I know that my very first 45 record was Starman by David Bowie and Suffragette City was the B-side. So there's no B-side on that record. And I, you know, I was, I was sort of immediately hooked. My dad was a big Beatles fan and a Stones fan. And I listened to that a lot in my youth. But there was one moment that I remember when I was seven or eight years old, my father had an eight track and I saw an eight track cassette tape that had a really cool spaceship on it. And it was Out of the Blue by ELO. I'm like, this looks cool. I'll pop this in. And if you know anything about Jeff Lynne and ELO and how they produce, it is, you know, it's absolute madness. And especially when you're listening to it on uh, headphones. So I had my dad headphones on. And from that moment on, I listened to like that record beginning to end. And that was the, the moment where I really wanted to write. Like I wanted to create things like I was hearing. So there's my I love that story. I've never, story. I mean, I've heard little snippets of that, but that was thoroughly enjoyable and interesting for me to hear. <laughs> Where I fell in love with music or singing was probably when I was younger, like maybe like five or four. Like my whole life, my dad would sit on the couch and just play the guitar and like hum to the guitar or even sing maybe a little bit. But I would sit on the couch and I would just pluck one of the strings with my dad and I just sing whatever. And I do that a lot with him. And then as I grew, like, as I get, got older, I started singing more with like by myself or like, again, with my dad. And like what Wallace said, like we would always have some of my dad's friends like coming in and just like picking up a guitar or like bringing their whole drum set (laughs) or bringing some crazy instrument. I didn't even know, like, (laughs) <laughs> were a thing but like mandolin yeah literally. <laughs> but that's mostly it yeah and, and Marin used to she used to improvise and she was so passionate when she sang even <laughs> as a so small passionate. child <laughs> she might not have even hit the notes yet but 
gosh, was she selling whatever she was singing. So true. And, you know, we started to take that and fashion that into like, hey, why don't we take that thing that you just sang and, and segment that into a little bit of a, put a little structure into it. Mm-hmm. And so we'd start writing songs together. And Marin also has, uh, even though she's was a peanut and she's, you know, very, she's very petite, she was, uh, had this like wide, soulful yeah. voice that was well beyond her years. So it was just, it was always such a pleasure watching her just go off and, and riff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, Soleil? Um, so I like did sort of the same things as Marin and I really, really like Billie Eilish. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I love music so much is because her songs are so pretty. And you like sing along to them? Yeah. And like as I was growing up, like Wallace and da- Dad were teaching me songs and like singing and stuff like that. So why don't you talk about how you learned pretty much all of Billie Eilish's catalog and can perform any of it on demand and sound, I mean, so I'm biased, but sound I'm also biased, as good as I'm Billie just, Eilish. I was like crying last night just listening to her singing. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, tell I, me about it, Soleil. Yeah, I listen to her album like so much, like all the time, like every single day. And then I wanted to learn that, learn the songs. And so it took me like every day for me to practice them because I actually wanted to sing them and then show my family. So yeah, that's pretty much how I learned them. And now I'm just really like her songs. So now now we just got to find a time for you to meet her. Yeah. Hook it up, Chris. We're ready. (laughs) So earlier you you were talking about the fact that you've been singing as individuals together for quite some time and growing up in a musical family, that doesn't surprise me. But tell me about what it's like for you to be able to share this together and now performing together on large stages and being together as a group to be able to share this music with a broader audience. I mean, I think it's really cool to see how each of us though we're all very different in our personalities and in our voices how when we all sing together if we practice and work on it together we can get a very nice clean blend and I think that does have to do with the fact that we're siblings I mean we watched the Bee Gees documentary all together as a family a couple months ago probably like well when we were in Miami which made it sort of extra special because we were recording at that time at Criteria Studios which in the particular room where the Bee Gees did most of their work Mm -hmm. and so meanwhile Wallace was getting doing interviews for Lonely Christmas at that time and one of the journalists asked her if she had seen the Bee Gees documentary, considering how much they talked about sibling harmonies being like the instrument that you can't buy. And so it was all very serendipitous that we were watching the Bee Gees documentary at night while going into the Bee Gees studio during the day, recording siblings harmonies when that film came out. Yeah. It was all like cosmically interesting. Yeah. It was was also like relatable. Yeah. No, whatever they said, I feel like it was like really relatable and how they like they kind of like looked at each other if they like sang a wrong note like Mm -hmm. that's literally us or like (laughs) no it's so true and and it was interesting to see because i think one of the jonas brothers might have talked in that too and there were just a couple 
different groups of siblings where I'm like, wow, that really is very accurate to us. And it's just funny watching videos of other siblings singing together because like Mare was saying, it's funny to watch their reactions because we're like, that is so true to us. It's relatable. Like when one of us hits a wrong note, we're all like, oh, oops. Uh, (laughs) And I don't know. It's funny, but it's also interesting. It's so, yeah, it's so interesting. So let's talk about your new song. So you've got a new song, Another Day is out. And it, you know, in reading about the the story behind the story, I loved the fact that Wallace, you and Jean wrote this together, but also the fact that it, this didn't just happen overnight. And there was a, there's a big backstory here. So tell me a little bit about this backstory because not everybody knows the backstory, but tell me a little bit about the backstory and really the the message of the song, I think, is really profound, I think, for especially younger people to hear. And tell me about that and why this song means so much for you and for, for younger audiences to hear. Yeah, I think originally the lyrics that we had, my dad had come up with on the fly. We were just sitting in a little bedroom downstairs in our house, and we had this track that my dad had started, and we were like, oh, this is really cool. This could turn into something interesting. Why don't we come up with a vocal and just start working on some vocal lines? And so anyway, my dad was like, sing something. I was like, okay, I'll sing something. Can you just give me a lyric? And he came up with pennies in my pocket, got holes in my pants, white shoes and blues. I just want to dance. He just came up with that. And I was like, okay, cool. So we sang that. And then we just decided to keep it because we thought it was fun. And then we sort of wrote the whole rest of the song based off of these sort of daily intrusive thoughts and anxieties. And the current state of the world at the time we were writing this was a lot, especially for young kids and being on social media and having our phones. And, you know, there was just a lot going on in the world. And it was all very new to us. And we have lived very sheltered and privileged lives. So we were learning about a lot of this for the first time. And I think as we were writing the song together and talking about all of these things, the lyrics, it sort of reflected because, you know, like there's one part in the song where it's just like a whole verse of all of these thoughts. And then it goes into the, I'm dancing through another day. And that's supposed to sort of be like the turnaround where we're acknowledging that we have everything we need and we can choose to have an optimistic outlook on life and we have each other, we have everything we need and more and we can choose to dance through the day. And that was basically the meaning of the song in the end. And then the whole musical journey of it is one of my favorite parts of it because I got to sit down and work on writing harmonies and we have some little videos and stuff of me sitting at the keyboard with Marin and Soleil singing the harmonies for the first time and then my dad and I working on some of the you know vocals and main lyrics and the track it was a really good time yeah I mean the con- and, and it, it did take a long time to get here the context of it was that, you know, we've had a lot of half-baked projects that we started songs that we started that weren't anywhere near ready for prime time. And Wallace sort of, and the girls got their first sort of worldwide recognition rather suddenly when we put A Lonely Christmas up on YouTube with a little video that I shot on my iPhone in a day. The interesting thing about Lonely Christmas was that normally at that time of year, the girls are being shuttled to theaters mm-hmm. all over the place and performing in shows. And we finally had time together where we weren't driving everyone all over the map to do their different performances. So the only outlet that we had was actually playing our own music. And we had concluded that we were determined to, to actually get something out. And we had this Christmas song sitting around for some time. 
that we had never completed or, or really written any significant lyrics to. So we, right over Thanksgiving weekend, we're like, we're getting this done. We're getting this out. We're going to mix it. We're going to master it. We're going to set it out to the world and let's see what happens. Obviously, you know, we're doing this completely independently. This mm-hmm. is not with any label or PR or anything like that. When Lonely Christmas went viral, suddenly all the press that Wallace was doing was asking, when is your next song? And then, you know, the team that we had to immediately stand up to kind of help us through that, like a publicist and some other folks that were helping us through all the the media attention at that time, they asked, like, when is your next song coming out? And from the inside, they're saying, we have to get another song out while we have everyone's attention. And so we had already had a trip, you know, uh, planned to Miami. And that kind of happened circumstantially that the people at the studio knew the Wallace story already. They were super accommodating. We had to do this through COVID protocols. We were masked up in the room unless the girls were singing the entire time. And when we needed session musicians, you know, we got to work with the best in the business. So we actually got to work with uh, Barry Gibbs, former bass player. Like once Maurice Gibbs passed away, there was a bass player that played with the remaining brothers for you know the last 15 years. And so he shows up one day and is laying down the bass track that I'm coaching him on. I'm like, I should not be coaching this man <laughs> on anything. And then we asked for horns. We asked for a trombone and a trumpet. And we got Ray Charles, former music director, Steve Sigmund. And we got Cisco Dimas, who is the lead trumpet player for Casey and the Sunshine Band, to play the horn. So it went from like, hey, we just made a Christmas song, a little Christmas song in our bedroom to... We were in the preeminent recording studio in the world playing with some of the greatest musicians, session musicians on the planet. So it was really sort of mind-blowing. It was insane. What happened was we were trying to finish it by New Year's Eve. And we got a call from the studio that one of the assistant engineers had a fever. It hadn't been tested yet, but that was immediately like oh, let's take a step back. So that brought production in Miami to a halt. And so we had to pretty much start from scratch. So we reconnected with Cody Sachowski, who mixed and worked on Lonely Christmas with us in Philly. And just because the studio had become you know, booked at that time and I have a job and Wallace was in school, it took a little longer to finally get a product that we were super happy with. But I don't think anyone's going to have to wait this long for the next couple songs. We already have... We have two more that are in the can. They're just in the process of getting mixed and mastered. So we'll see more new music soon. So talk to me about that process of how you go from idea to completion. And where does the impetus for the songs typically come from? Well, I feel like currently, since this is a very new path that we're going on together, we have a lot of, again, like my dad said, half-baked tracks that he has started And now I'm coming in and now we're working on them together. Like, for example, he'll have just a track that he had a cool bass line that he liked and then he put in some drums. And we, you know, there's just these starts of songs and then I'll come in and we'll work on them together. And and then Soleil and Merrim, we'll bring them in and we'll have them record some harmonies and, you know, so on and so forth. But as of right now, that's how a lot of our tracks have started. We always start with the music. I think we may have a, a concept or a mood that we are looking for, but we usually don't start with lyrics. Sometimes, again, the concept drives how the music starts, but it starts at the piano most of the time for both of us. And actually, Soleil has been doing a lot of writing lately too. And Soleil, why don't you talk about how you start the beginnings of writing the songs you've been writing? Um, So I made a song with my friend 
the first song I made, and it was not the best song. <laughs> so I just kept writing even more songs, and they just kept getting better and better, and I kept getting better at writing songs <laughs> more and more every time I made them. And I was using the piano in some of them. And what was your process of making them? Did you start with making the sounds, or did you start with the words, or...? Um, I started with both. I just made something up while I was singing it, and then I'm like, that sounds good. So I just write it down immediately so I don't forget, and then I just keep adding more and more. She's a songwriter. She knows what she's doing already. It's really fun to watch. The process for us, though, generally, again, starts at the piano. Sometimes it starts with the guitar. Sometimes it's a chord progression. It could be a hook. It could be a rhythm, even. And then we build off of that. And for another day, you know, we talked about how we came up with the process and what we were trying to say. And, you know, there's a really long intro that has got a very sort of dystopian, you know, you, you think this is going to be a, a quiet song, maybe. Or, you know, it's a, more like it sounds like a ballad. And it's not until, I think, maybe a minute, I don't even know how long, but like significantly into the song where we suddenly find out that this is actually a dance track. Right? <laughs> and there's a lot going on in the song. There's a Spanish section, there's you know scatting, there's jazz horns, there's a funky bass, there's some layered effects over the vocals in the beginning. And what we don't do is try to write, like we write for ourselves what we like, and sometimes that doesn't agree with traditional songwriting or pop songwriting in particular in terms of structure and format. We love to, to continue to build surprise and newness into each segment of a song so that you're not just hearing like verse, bridge, chorus, repeat kind of thing. You know, we and that happened with Lonely Christmas, too. We changed chord progressions from verse to verse. So it's not the same verse. And, you know, we, we love to sort of drop Easter eggs and different influences throughout all of our music. Yeah, and we definitely love to blend genres because I feel like, I mean, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I personally love listening to a variety of genres of music. I don't know. I think we definitely like to blend all of our influences and use that as our inspiration as well. Yeah, we're not like writing a bossa nova song that's got all bossa nova into it. It's going to be bossa nova meets <laughs> thrash metal, you know. Or... <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> With a little bit of hip hop. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I'd be interested in hearing that one. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> we'll let you know if that sees the light of day. <laughs> this month, our podcasts are sponsored by our gender equity workshops that we're having. In our workshops, we'll focus on how to be an emotionally courageous dad through practices of self regulation and strategies for emotionally connecting with your kids. We'll invite all of you to recognize and try to avoid gender traps in our relationships that may or may not reinforce the ways children see household chores. Most importantly, our colleague Joseph Sato will host a workshop on allyship that looks at the intersection of race and gender and the ways in which we as dads can be allies for women and especially women of color in our communities. As you go through this month, we invite you to sit and reflect on ways in which gender plays out in your life. How has being a man and a father given you advantages that you may never have recognized before? How will your children, especially daughters and children who identify as trans, walk through life differently than you? How can you, as their provider, protector, and parent, advocate for them and change systems that may have caused harm for them into systems 
that can help them thrive. I look forward to seeing you in our workshops this month. For more information, go to fatheringtogether.org forward slash gender dash equity dash workshops. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where we ask you five questions to delve a little bit deeper into you as a dad. But it's not just going to be Gene answer these questions. We're going to be having everybody answer the questions. So first and foremost, girls, in one word, what is fatherhood? And then, Gene, you get to answer last. A job. I have a concept in my mind, but I'm trying to put it into one word. I know. I heard Marin say a job. Yeah, that Old is time. a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any, any ideas? Growth, uh, maybe. Or patience. But I, mainly I would say growth because I think, I mean, I'm not a father, but I feel like being a father would require a lot of your own personal growth as well as watching your children grow. And I feel like being a parent of three children would be a lot of work. So, you would need to, you know, your life is not going to look the same as it did before. And with each kid, it's going to change. And as we get older, it's going to change. So I feel like growth is the word I would use. Probably helping because they're very helpful for a lot of things. <laughs> and Marin, what was your answer? Good job. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say, Jean? involves many jobs. My first instinct was to say love. It's pure love. Fatherhood is built on this cosmic electric thing that strikes you the moment your child is born and it never leaves you. So everything that comes out of that, including growth and the many jobs that fatherhood includes and all the helping that fatherhood includes (laughs) is based in just pure, unadulterated love that is unmatched uh, with any other feeling that I've ever had. Thanks, Dad. I love you. (laughs) So now, girls, how would you describe your dad? Fine. Charismatic. Good at everything. <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. You can say handsome. <laughs> um, helpful, loving, supportive, fun, very hardworking. These are not, this is not one word. This is many words. But, yeah. um, Mom's holding up a sign that says good provider. <laughs> <laughs> girls, when was a time? that your dad finally succeeded at being a father to a daughter? And then Gene has to answer this too, when he thinks that he finally succeeded. Well, I was going to say, this is like the logical answer, but when I was born, he finally like became a dad. But I don't know. I feel like whenever he is encouraging us to be ourselves and providing us with a safe and happy life, that I would say is succeeding as a parent. I mean, that. That would be my mindset if I were a parent. So I think us being happy and healthy is him succeeding as a parent. Yeah, I think he like adapted to having three girls really, really well because he obviously is not a girl. He is a boy. He's and a very good he, girl dad, though. When he grew up, he didn't experience being a girl. So he didn't like it's different parenting a girl and a boy and i think he does a very good job also like listening and understanding i feel like he does a very good job of yeah i've learned a lot about being a girl (laughs) 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 and and a young woman (laughs) and girls that are turning into women so lady did you have anything you wanted to share well he doesn't really treat us like boys 
I think she's trying to say that he meets us where we are, right. not where he is. No, no that's true. Part. That's true. What about you, Gene? I don't know that I ever consider that I've finally succeeded at, at anything, let alone fatherhood. If I've succeeded at anything, it's knowing that it, it's a, a journey and there'll be good days, bad days, hard days, happy days, sad days, and continuing to grow, grow along with them. But I think most importantly is to support them detaching from us. You know, as parents, like there are lots of parents out there that never are able to cut the cord. And I don't even mean that from, I I mean that from a selfishness perspective for myself, because I would love for them to be with me all the time for the rest of our lives but my job is to support them in becoming who they are meant to be and to be independent and self-sufficient on their own while feeling good, while not feeling like that their parents aren't just trying to clone themselves, but truly support their own journeys and, and whatever that looks like for each of them. Because that part is the hardest part. Because again, what works for one doesn't work for the others. So true. Now, Gene, who inspires you to be a better dad? I mean, this may sound like a cop-out, the easy answer, but it's them. They inspire me to be a better dad. When I watch what they accomplish, when I see excitement and enthusiasm in their eyes for what they want to do and what they have accomplished, I mean, they've done already so much more with their lives than I ever did at their ages. <laughs> it's hard to fathom. And just being able to, to support that is uh, fantastic. But truly, I'm inspired by them. I mean, I look into each one of their eyes and I I'm just so in love with them. And there are times where I know I mess up and I say the wrong thing or I handle the situation in a way that I feel like has disappointed them. And I can see that in their face when that happens. And there's nothing more devastating than that. So figuring out how I can adjust and knowing how to say you're sorry as an adult, I think is incredibly important and knowing that this is a relationship it's not a dictatorship but also still having to parent right and not being their best friend i want to be their best friend but (laughs) we have to also say no so i think i'm genuinely inspired to be a better parent every day just by my interactions with them now girls as we get ready to leave today and you you've all said a lot of different things that I think that the dads that are listening are going to be able to take and they're going to be able to think about their own relationships with their own daughters. But what advice would you give to other dads? I would say to be a good listener is very important, especially with dads and daughters. I feel like that is really the key to having a good relationship with your dad, especially like as teenagers. I know it's very common for teenage girls to have conflict with their dad sometimes. I mean, I am a teenager. I can see it in my peers, you know, and I feel lucky that I have such a good relationship with my dad, but I think it's really because he does a great job of listening and he does a great job of letting us be who we want to be and in a loving and accepting way while also being our dad. And like you said, I mean, he is our best friend, but he is also our dad. So just having good communication with each other and being accepting and listening to each other. I think that's really the main thing. What about you, Marin? I think like I definitely agree with Wallace. And I also feel like being like very supportive and accepting is super important in different ways, if that makes sense. What kind of different like, ways? Please elaborate. <laughs> like in many ways, like being accepting, whether it's like I don't know like examples, but I'll give an like, example. 
So Marin decided to pierce her own ears a few more times than she was allowed to. But, you know, we've come around to it. We're okay with it at this point. Marin is sort of a do first, ask for forgiveness later kind of person. And figuring out how to parent that style of personality is going to be tough too, right? Because there are some people who are going to do what they want to do at any age, sort of regardless. And, you know, unless you want to end up in a in a full conflict situation, you have to find out how to meet in the middle somehow. And she works hard to do that with us and, and I do it with her. So is that a good example? Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Soleil? They should be nice, calm, and patient. And I agree with Wallace that they should listen and like understand their children. <laughs> We're hearing a theme here, Chris, aren't we? That listening is really important and active listening, real listening. Yeah. Because yeah. if kids don't feel understood or heard, that's when sort of the walls, I think, come up and parents just become like Charlie Brown adults where they're just muffled voices in, in the background. Right? <laughs> yeah. And if you're in any relationship, if you're going to have an expectation for someone to listen to you and hear you, that you have to give that right back to them. And I think in the frenzy of parenting, it's sometimes hard to stop sort of dictating what needs to happen next and sit down and listen. But I think it's, well worth it to go through that exercise. Now, if people are interested, what's next for all of you? Well, like we said earlier, we're working on a couple songs, so we'll have some more musical content soon. And we're starting to book some live oh, yeah. live shows, some live performances. Yep, we've got some radio appearances where the girls are going to do a three-song live set, and we are lining up dates to do actually some holiday-related events as well some tree lightings and things like that but in the meantime there is a music video coming for another day i would say in the next 30 days and within the next two months we'll have two more singles out and where's the best place for people to find all of this if they want to hear the next songs that are coming out and every, and keep on top of everything that's happening spotify you can follow me on spotify i'm pretty sure if you just look up wallace which is w-a-l-l-i-s I should come up. It's probably a picture of me with red hair, if that helps. Maybe a little orangey, you never know. <laughs> and also YouTube, which also is just Wallace. My Instagram, which is currently at I underscore am underscore Wallace. W-A-L-L-I-S. And you have a website, I am Wallace. Com. So I want to make sure to put that in there and I'll put a link in the notes so that you have an opportunity to be able to follow this as well and follow Wallace and follow everything that's happening with them. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the time today, for talking with us, for being open and sharing your journey, not only in your music, but also in your journey as a family. It's it's so exciting to be able to see where you were and where you are today. And I look forward to seeing where you will be in the future. Thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. This is a true pleasure. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.com.
org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be